Abba Yahweh, thank you again for this time to be able to share and be a conduit for your word, Father, for your gospel and for the gospel of Jesus Christ, the truth in your word, Father. Thank you for this opportunity, this chance to again be in your treasury and Holy Spirit guiding my walk through this. Thank you, Father God. Abba Yahweh, Aman, Yeshua, Aman, Parakletos, Aman. So, one thing that we have to, that we have as believers and those that make a decision to accept that Jesus Christ is our Lord and Savior and did come and was crucified for our sakes, which he did. My faith tells me so. But this is an important thing, that we have faith. And in hearing so many, even those that claim to be Christians, just, uh, they're, they're swimming, sailing through, and living in the doldrums. And that means that they're just pretty much constantly, they walk around with their heads down, their shoulders slump, and they look at the ground all the time. They don't lift their head up and smile. You know, okay, here's the thing. As a Christian, you don't have to just constantly walk around with a smile on your face and, and uh, everything is just so beautiful and you're sort of lilting through life. and they, That's not reality. But the reality is that Jesus the anointed of God, the Christ, came for me and all of us to have an opportunity for redemption, salvation, and to have that faith in God and go to heaven, to be heirs and joint heirs in the kingdom of heaven, heirs and joint heirs of Jesus. Together, this thing that he did for our sakes, And we are asked in return to just share the gospel, share the truth so that others would have an opportunity to be saved. But the downside is, like I said, I see and hear many that claim to be Christians are just constantly down. Where is thy faith? Like he told the disciples when they were on the Sea of Galilee and the tiny ship got tossed around in the waves and the wind. And they woke him up because they were afraid. What was the first thing Jesus said when he got up? Oh, where is thy faith? And And they said, how can he sleep? Well, he could sleep because he is the only begotten son of God. God manifests in the flesh. And he knew that the waves weren't going to harm him because he was on the boat. But they were fearful, so they woke him up. Where is thy faith? And then he commanded the winds and the seas to be calm. Peace be still. And then the disciples, which had already seen him do healing and heard his preaching and all this stuff, they said, oh, <laughs> what kind of guy is this? What manner of man is this? Who is this? Excuse me, were you not listening to anything that I had to say? (laughs) They must not have been, or they must, you know, they've got all this filtration going on, but it's going through the white noise that Satan throws in to interfere. They'd been seeing, it's just like many that walked away when Jesus was giving his talk to them. And 
theolog those of theological brilliance and have their little certificates, they have decided to name it the... Uh, <laughs> now, I just forgot the word I was going to say, but anyway, he was, uh, he was talking to them on Mount Olive. Uh, the Olivet Dissertation. There you go. And... Uh, So you have them that were there and then just turned and walked away because Jesus was leaving and going to heaven. The, the time had come, he'd been crucified, he'd been... My goodness gracious. Seriously, the man was crucified, was in a tomb, that stone rolled away, and then he's there. He'd, he'd been seen, it, it talks about the people that Jesus had seen when he got up, he was raised. And he was walking around. He'd been seen by hundreds, literally hundreds. And, and, uh, he was, and this was after, after the crucifixion. And he, he rose and he walked around and he chatted and he visited with people before he rose and went back to heaven. And yet, those that saw were seeing and walking with them, filled with doubt. Yeah, but what if, what if, what if, what if? Even if. The Lord is with me. He is by me. So here's the thing. It's as difficult as it was for them, and they had physically walked with Jesus and listened to his teachings. Yeah, Jesus spoke truly. Where is thy faith? Is that down in the doldrums where you like to reside? And there are sadly many that claim to be Christians that like to reside there. And there are, there are people that just, they like it when people come up and put their hand on their shoulder or look at them and say, oh, <laughs> you're not well today or, or how are you doing? You know, and the way they talk, you can tell that they can, <coughs> pardon me, that they can see that the person is not or portraying that and then and then they love to just go into this big oration of how miserable their life is. Well, wait a second. Why are you living there? Why are you living in misery? Because you are heeding the the noise and the the muffling that comes out of Satan's mouth and his minions deliver and you decide that you're going to believe that. And you're going to pay heed to that instead of the truth of the gospel. What if, what if, what if, what if, even if the Lord is with me, he promises to be with me always. You know, and it's, it's the point of fact and where your perspective is. Like when Jesus went into into uh, Nazareth. And I've shared this part with you before. You can find this in, in uh, Mark 6. 
And Jesus went out and came to his own country. And many hearing him were astonished, saying, Is this not the carpenter, the son of Mary, and brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? He had brothers and sisters. He had a family, an earthly family. And they knew that. They recognized that. And that's immediately what they started doing. They started casting down the fact that Jesus came to them. Oh, we know who you are. You're just that carpenter's kid. What? What authority do you speak to us on anything? And we have to understand that the perspective of many are to believe that white noise. But we have to be of a higher perspective. We have to be on that higher plane We have to understand that. So I'm going to read this from Mark chapter 6. And he went out from thence and came into his own country, and his disciples followed him. And when the Sabbath day was come, he began to teach in the synagogue. And many hearing him were astonished, saying, From whence hath a man these things? Basically asking, what authority do you teach on? And what wisdom is this which is given unto him, that even such mighty words are wrought by his hands? Is not this the carpenter's son of Mary, the brother of James, and Joseph, and Judah, and Simon? And are not his sisters here with us? And they were offended at him. But Jesus said unto them, A prophet is not without honor but in his own country and among his own kin and in his own house. And he could there do no mighty work, save that he laid his hands upon a few sick folk and healed them. And he marveled because of their unbelief. And he went round about the villages teaching. This is, this is how many are. And many even that claim to be Christian because they don't see Jesus, they don't see God, they don't see the Holy Spirit, and they don't lean in and listen. They go for, they're attending for display. Their faith is diminished, or they had faith at one time, and then they just decided to give it up. And you have to remember, and I, I say this time and time and time again, and I'll repeat it as often as necessary, and God lets me say it because it's obviously very necessary. If you open your hands to receive, God can pour out more resources and things for you, and you can carry his blessings a lot better. But many people keep their hands closed, tight-fisted around things that they did. And they believe that white noise. They believe the lies of the enemy. That they're not worthy. They're not worth it. God's not listening. God doesn't want to talk to them anymore because they did this. They did that. And I really like this uh, song that Lauren Daigle sings. 
Look what you've done. And this is a combination. She declares, look what you've done, Lord, in my life. You've erased those lies and you've come for me because you love me. And also at the, on the outset is that, look what you've done. That's Satan talking to the believer, the young person, the young woman, or the newly believing, or even some of the mature, allegedly mature Christians. Look what you've done. God doesn't want to hear from you. No one wants to listen to you. Look at your life. Look what you are. Look how you become. (laughs) And the thing of it is that most of what the enemy is talking is about things that were in the past, things that he wants you to hold tightly onto, to be bound and to be tied and not to go step forward with the Lord God. He wants you to be bound up. You believe what is said. But what if? What if? Even if. Even if. The Lord stands with us. He has promised to do so. He has promised to do so. Understand this too. That they might have declared those things, but... Jesus was not afraid or ashamed of being a carpenter. Jesus manifested coming to this earth as a man and being born a carpenter's son. How much more humanity he stepped off his throne from heaven, set down his crown, came to earth, was born of a young woman, Raised as a craftsman's son, a carpenter. It didn't bother him. How much more human? I mean, a craftsman working with the hands and down, and, and, and he too toiled, worked with tools. What a, what a humble life. He didn't come, and, and as many were looking for the Messiah to come, <clears throat> as a reigning king on a large steed and his entourage would be armed to the teeth and they would come in and drive the Romans out. Didn't happen that way. Of course, we know that. He came in humbly. But he came with authority of a king. But because he didn't look like a king that everyone expected of him, they berated him, belittled him, they didn't believe, and ultimately crucified him. And here's the sad part, is that there are many that are still looking for the Messiah for his first visit. That's not going to happen. When the Son of Man, my Lord, Jesus Christ comes again. It will be to take us home. It will be to vanquish Satan and his minions. And those that do not believe and have faith will be compelled, not by their hearts, but they will be compelled to kneel down and confess that 
man, we should have listened. He is Lord. He is Jesus. And he is the truth. But then it's going to be too late. But there will be those of us that do believe and do have faith that will be compelled by our hearts and the Holy Spirit to kneel down and profess that he is Lord and that his name is above all names and that we will worship him because of that. There is a difference between profession and confessing. Those that are compelled to confess are those that did not believe, refused to believe, and would not hear the word. Those of us that profess are the ones that have faith, believe, share the gospel, the truth, and are doing our Father's business, doing what we were asked to do by our Father. Says, hey, you believe that Jesus came as my only begotten son and was crucified for you, then share it. Share the truth and knowledge and wisdom that I put in you and give everyone an opportunity to be saved. Jesus is here with us now as he always is, and he promised that he would stay by our sides. So hearing and listening to all the debasing and berating, Jesus is here, and he is with us. He's promised to always be. And in my readings this morning, talking about trusting, trusting, having faith. And in our daily walks, that's a, we can say that that's a minute by minute thing. And as we walk, we get into some things, you know, we're all faithful. You know, it's easy to be faithful and and all joyous and all that when things are just beautiful, sunny, birds flying around, chirping and all this. And then and then something comes up, the wind comes up, the dust starts blowing and things become a bit tumultuous. And then everybody starts grumbling and griping. Ah, this wind. Ah, this, ah, this dust in my eyes. And, you know, I was caught up in, in doing some of that, you know, and oh man, look at this lousy rain. Excuse me. <laughs> Those are things that are coming from the hand of Almighty God. So we don't do that. You walk into it, you go into it, and, and I've learned and, and changed. And I, I think it's pretty cool, actually. I, I, <laughs> people probably think I'm a nutcase. It's pouring down rain, and I said, Father, I know you're going to be with me and going to keep me on these two wheels and get me home. And as simple as that, and sometimes, you know, it'll be a little sprinkle, I don't mind that, but then it turns into an absolute deluge, and I've had that happen before. I said, okay, God, let's get home. And when I get home, I'm pretty dry, actually. (laughs) So, by the grace of God, and by his being with me, I mean, he had his hand over me, and his arms around me, and I got home, I was 
I was not soaked to the skin. So my father shows me constantly that he's with me. And my faith does not diminish when the weather turns sour, things start getting uncomfortable. I just tell him that I'm not comfortable and, and he knows that I'm fearful of some things that, are, that go on when the devil comes and tries to attack. God knows that because I tell him and I talk to my father. But we have to trust in the promises of God. But like we had things that were that are going on with uh, Israel that when they left Egypt, they were all happy and happy, happy, joy, joy. And they were walking and trusting in God. <clears throat> but it was a temporary thing. <clears throat> Pardon me. But then when they got out a little farther from Egypt and they had difficulty in finding water and Moses, of course, delivered water to them through the grace of God and his authority and his power. He fed them. He kept them clothed. And, but they were still found things to grumble about and they shook their fists at heaven and were mad that God had sent Moses to them. And you think that God's patience was not tested and pushed to the limits? Kind of like what we're doing today. We've, this nation has turned its back on God, and not just in this nation, but other nations. So we have to be bold, upright, and courageous, not confrontational, truthful. When we stand upright and we are righteous in what we say, and it is the truth, knowledge, and wisdom of God and not vain glory, God is with us. He stands with us. He stands beside us. He stands beside us and speaks the words to us so we can deliver and understand. And his arms, his strength, it is around us. And we oftentimes, as I've shared, we just, you know, everything's good, everything's sunny, everything's good. And when we see and understand that, that God's doing things for our sake and our benefit and for our well-being, everything is good. We're jumping around, we're happy, we're rejoicing, but when things get bad or they get a little tumultuous, we have to make a choice. Do we continue to believe the word of God, his truth? Or do we grumble and gripe, shake our fists at heaven and have such a dour, sour look on our face? We have to trust in God in everything that we are about, in everything. And when we're getting ready to go in there, this is like uh, when Micah was, uh, his analogy of the sailboat. You think that sailors, when they get out, in the ocean, real sailors. And I have to say that that analogy holds true for true Christians. Are they real sailors? Are they real Christians? Because the real Christians would be 
thankful that God is with us all the time and that when we walk into something that is tumultuous or something that is uneasy or unsettling for us, that we know that God is with us still. But you have sailors that go out there and they either draw the the halyards too tight or too loose, in which case the ship is going to flounder. And in some cases I've seen where they snap a mast and then they're really in trouble and then the wind tosses them at will. I've actually seen boats that capsize because the sailors were not prepared. They weren't ready and they weren't real sailors. They were just bragging about being. Is this not the way it is of the world today? I say, yes, it is. That you will have many that brag about being a Christian, but that's because they're self-professed. Oh, yeah, I'm a Christian. I, I go to church every other Sunday and I go to Bible study maybe every six months and, you know, I'll go knock on a door once every couple of years if I get a whole group of folks to go with me. Yeah, uh, yeah. No, you're not. The truth be told, no, you're not. And we need to understand that we have to choose. We're either going to trust God in all things. It's like being on that fence post. You're either hot or you're cold. And remember the scripture talks about that. You're either hot or you're cold. You're either for the Lord or you're not. Don't be in the middle and don't be tepid because he will spew you out. I like a hot cup of tea. I don't like a tepid cup of tea. If you're drinking iced tea, then it's meant to be cold. And if you're drinking a hot cup of tea, it's meant to be drunk hot. Not tepid and not room temperature. It's, for me, it's not good. So the choice that we have to is to be trusting in God, have faith in God in all circumstances so here's the thing too this is this is a great uh, this is great this is out of Exodus 15 22 through 25 when Moses is uh, is taken the uh, is taken the folks out of Exodus or out of uh, Egypt and in the book of Exodus it talks about that so, I'm going to flip over here to Exodus 15. 22 through 25 talks about this portion here. I'm going to also open up the old translation. Pardon me for just a moment as I retrieve the other This is the uh, Hebrew translation, which I like. Some of this, uh, some of the old translations are really great. The way that they word it. So. 
Then Moshe caused Israel to set out from the Sea of Reeds. They went into the wilderness of Shur. They traveled three days in the wilderness and found no water. They came to Merah, but they could not drink the water of Merah because it was bitter. That is why it was named Merah. And the people grumbling against Moshe saying, What shall we drink? So he cried out to Hashem and showed him a piece of wood. And Hashem showed him a piece of wood. He threw it into the water and the water became sweet. There he made for them a fixed rule and there he put them to the test. And he said, if you will heed Hashem, your God, diligently doing what is upright in his sight, giving ear to his commandments and keeping all of his laws, then I will not bring upon you any of the diseases that I brought upon the Egyptians. For I, Hashem, am your healer. So that is a... lesson on our behalf that is as relevant today as it it was then. So do we not do the same thing today? Yes, we do. We do the very same thing. You get to a point where things are a little tumultuous or they aren't... uh, quite as good as you thought they might be. And you grumble, you gripe, you pester God and you whine and you whimper. No, you're not praying to God, you're pestering God. Because when you go to God, And you grumble and you gripe and you go, oh, God, what about this? What about this? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? When's it going to change? When's... That's annoyance, okay? You're not praying righteous prayer. You're pretty much just making noise. Pray to God. Talk to God. And share with him your feelings, but not be grumbling and griping and pestering God. Humbly approach the gates in thankfulness and praise and worship, which he tells us to be thankful in all things. So are you going to let the white noise interference drag you down? Or are you going to be lifted up? Are you going to have trust and faith in God? And God is with us always. Always. Brothers and sisters, we need to take heed and pay attention. So, we have in 1 Corinthians 15, I'm going to, this is... uh, Paul is writing this letter to the church at Corinth. And he's reminding them, trying to uplift them, and and, uh, the letters were for encouragement and some admonishment. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received 
how that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. And that he was buried and that he rose again on the third day according to the scriptures. And that he was seen of Cephas, then of the twelve. And after that he was seen of about five hundred brethren at once, of whom the greater part remain unto this present day, but some are fallen asleep. Some have passed away and died. After that he was seen of James, then of all the apostles, and last of all he was seen of me also as one born of due time. What does that mean? That it wasn't time for Paul yet. He was still Saul, and he was riding his donkey, <clears throat> pardon me, to Damascus, and was on business to probably hunt down some more churches and Christians, or those that were following the teachings of the Lord. And he was chasing them down to get them imprisoned. Some were put to death and churches were burned. Saul was in charge of all that. And his due time had come. He was knocked off his donkey onto the middle of the road. I mean, he was struck. It was not just a, you know, a little, he slipped. Oh, no, 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 no. He was knocked down off that animal and in the middle of the road. And then the light appeared and the voice of the Lord coming out of the light. Saul, 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 why persecutest thou me? And Paul further, for I am the least of the apostles that am not meet to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace, which is now bestowed upon me, was not in vain. But I labored more abundantly that they all, yet not I, but the grace of God, which was with me. What Paul is telling every single one of us is of import because we are called disciples And Paul is admitting of where he was, his destruction of the church, his hunting the churches, and that he was by the grace of God. And this is what I've shared with you before. It's not by our good works is our salvation wrought. Our salvation is brought upon us because it is the love of God and by his grace And our good works are because of our salvation, not vice versa. We're not saved because we do goody-goody two-shoe stuff. We are doing that thing because we are saved and because it's the grace of God and by his love. Remember an old song, gosh, I think I was in high school or goodness gracious. They will know that we are Christians by our love, by our love. They will know that we are Christians by our love. And Paul writes about this. He talks about all the gifts and all the good things, but if we don't have charity, and that word charity is translated to love. But if we don't have love, it's vanity. If we don't have love, it's just all noise. 
So if you declare all these things, but you don't have the love of God that he put into us to share, it's just vain. It's just vain clatter and noise. Brothers and sisters, we do this thing so many times. As Israel, when they came to Marah, they complained about the bitterness of the water. And they didn't think about anything else except they wanted the water, and now Moses brought them here. But God, being the good, good father, he yet again provided them water. And this certain piece of wood that he showed to Moses, Moses tossed it in the water and sweetened the, sweetened the uh, pond. Well, it had to be more of a pond because there were a lot that came out of Egypt in the Exodus. A lot of people. Innumerable. And continued growing. I know that there were babies being born. Are we more like Israel? I, I think that we are. I like to perceive myself as being one of those that walked closer to Moses to pay attention to what was going on because God was making delivery through him. But you have many that were out there on the fringe And they decided that's where they're going to stay. And unfortunately, we have many today that do the same thing. They want to stay out on the fringe. Oh, yeah, 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 we're with them, but we're not. We're not. We don't see enough. So if you get a bad seat in the theater, you're not going to be able to see very well. But if you get closer, the picture becomes brighter. And better and clearer. <clears throat> Pardon me. So the closer your walk to God and the more you seek his face and the more you dive into the word and pr- prayer, the clearer it becomes. And that's what we have to do. Not to believe this white noise interference that comes from the devil, that comes through his conduits, just like blessings come from God, and God uses disciples, pastors, preachers, angels of the church, elders of the church. He uses them to deliver the word, the truth, the knowledge, and his wisdom to guide us in our walk. And Satan has that white noise that comes from his minions and his puppets that are in the form of persona on this plane of existence and they exist as people. People we might work with, people we know casually. Um, it, It could be anywhere at any time and he delivers that interference which He's seeking a derisive reaction because that's what he's about. Separation. Satan is a separator, a liar, destroyer. He's many of those, and he is he is very tactically 
we need to respect him. I didn't say glorify him. And don't get your knickers all in a twist and get confused here because respecting your enemy is not glorifying your enemy. That's just knowing that the enemy is capable of doing many things and doing what many things he declares. Not just empty words. And he seeks to do these things. So you have to respect the enemy. And anyone that goes into, especially speaking as a... As a veteran, if you don't respect the capability of the enemy, then you are doomed to walk into a deadly, a deadly trap. And you'll be blessed if somebody that is paying attention is in leadership and they drag you out of it. You will be blessed. I'm blessed. I'm here. I'm still here. And we were told that we need to respect the enemy because of what capability is there. And this is what happened on many occasions in many areas and fields of battle. Is that arrogance was allowed to take a forefront and there was not a respect for the enemy. And failed miserably in many, many lost lives. So by the same token, if you don't respect what Satan is capable of and what his capabilities are, then you will fall prey. But by the grace of God and his truth, that you not fall into that pit. It's deep, it's dark. And it's not a, it's not comfortable when you hit bottom. What we have to remember also is that we have to trust, as David says in Psalm 31, 14, but I trust in you, O Lord. I say you are my God. Trust in the Lord. Walking in his grace and in his guidance Always. And when we're going through and we come upon this little bitter area of drinking water, instead of moping and whining and crying and grumbling about it, say, Father, do you have a piece of that sweet wood I can toss in here? Thank you, Father. Always trust in God. Faith in God. He promises always to be with us. The Lord promises, and he was speaking to his disciples that were physically there, but you have to remember that, as I've shared with you, he's also speaking to us as disciples because we have decided that we are going to follow him and do and share his word, share his truth, and share the gospel. As our Father has asked that we do. And in making that decision, we are then disciples. And Jesus, when he speaks to them, is speaking to us. I will be with you always until the end of the age. That age being where we are kind of floundering around here now, but faith in God and the steps are guided by the Holy Spirit. And that's what we need to have faith in. 
faith in God, believe that Jesus Christ, who came for our sakes, <clears throat> he came that we would be saved. He came to give us the opportunity. And I share the word because you deserve an opportunity to say, Jesus, I want you in my heart. I want you in my life. I want my life changed. I want to have faith in God. I want to have the Holy Spirit guiding my steps. In Jesus' name, I pray this. Amen. That's as easy as it is, brothers and sisters. That's, a, that's as difficult as it gets. Those that make it more difficult and throw angst in that fire and get everybody all worked up and not knowing what to say, not knowing how to do it and get them confused. That's difficulty. But the hardest it is, is to walk up to someone <clears throat> and ask them to pray with you. Say, would you pray with me, please? I want to accept the Lord. Pray with me. And then you pray together. And some churches have a big altar call. Well, all, most all churches have an altar call. But some are a little more elaborate. They have the organ playing in the background. And, and many people will step out because they're drawn. And that's, that's good. That's okay. That's, that is okay. It's a beautiful thing. Anytime that someone walks up and does that. And make a declaration. But here's the thing. You don't have to go down there if you feel like you're going to be a little uncomfortable. Just stay in the seat. Stay in the pew. And ask someone to pray with you. Or just bow your head and pray. That's as difficult as it is. You don't have to get up and do all this pomp and circumstance. That's not a requirement to come to the house of the Lord and say, Jesus, I want you in my life. That's all you have to do is you have to declare that and say that you want to walk that way. That's all you have to do. The invitation is always out there. That's why I share the gospel. But here's the thing about me too, is I'm not going to candy coat things because if you sugarcoat the gospel, what good is it? Honestly, Jesus always spoke the truth. And it wasn't always a pleasant thing. The Sanhedrin didn't like most of what his truth was, but he was speaking the truth. And he was trying to open their eyes, but they failed to open their eyes. Instead, they closed them tighter, put their fingers in the ears, and then they started the na 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 na. I can't hear you. And then he really slapped them. When he told them, he said, "You don't know the truth because you don't practice the truth. You don't hear the truth, and you don't hear my truth because you are speaking the language of your father, and I speak the language of my father. My native language is from heaven. Your native language is from hell and the devil." Ooh, they didn't like that. But truth and fact. Brothers and sisters, lean in and listen to the word. 
Lean in and listen to truth. I share his truth, his knowledge, and his wisdom. This is not in any way, shape, or form vain glory for myself. This is not about me. And I'm going to share something here. I may have told you already. I can't recall, actually. I'm getting old. I forget stuff. But you notice that there's a name change, the haven of truth. A haven is a place where you can get rest. The haven of truth. And it's not from, and I change it, you know, because that was putting my name out there. And that was, this is not about me. Not Raven's Nest, anchored in the word. That was cute. That was nice. I had a ring to it. But this is the haven of truth. The haven of rest that we have in our Lord in our faith, in the truth. And truth is a haven because there's so much turmoil and tumult and so many things that are going on out in the world around us because of lies, misdirection, and things that are not good, not truthful. So this is the haven of truth because here you will find truth his truth, his knowledge, and his wisdom, and I am a conduit for that. This is not an attaboy for me in any way, shape, or form. This is to honor God, my Father in heaven, and to do as he's directed that I do, to share the word, to share the truth, and do so in the rule of faith, from the front cover to the back cover, the back cover to the front cover. They all intertwine and everything is related. We can find Jesus in every scripture from the New Testament backing up and going all the way to the New Testament. You have individuals that are talking about Jesus. Hadn't met him yet. Hadn't been born yet. You had individuals who were talking about Jesus and his birth 700 years before he was born. Thousand years before he was born, but they were knowing about his authority and how he was going to come. Have a blessed day. You're in my prayers. How am I going out? My coming in as you are every day. Pray for your strength and your uprightness in the Word of God. Be blessed.